<laughs> so, so you got to work with what you got. Amen. But that is so true. And, um, you know, I'm just going to open up a prayer. Lord, I thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, I thank you for all that you desire to, to share with us today. Lord, I, I pray that you would be able to speak through me in Jesus' name and that it would be your words that come through me and, and not my words, Lord, that there's a plan for something to speak today, but that if, uh, if you desire to go a different way, we're going to go that way. And, uh, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And uh, we just worship you and praise you. We're just so happy to be here and to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hilda's absolutely right. And, and you know, we, we all know that. We know the word. Um, the, we, we are the blessed resisting the enemy in various different areas in, uh, as it relates to supernatural increase. Uh, well, that's everything. But um, whether it's resisting poverty, whether it's resisting sickness, whether it's re, uh, resisting negative relationships, negative feelings, um, whatever the case may be, uh, whether it's re resisting uh, b uh, poor parenting or something like that, you know, every one of us is, is built different. Some of us are really just natural uh, parental figures and just born into it, and other people are, are less so. But um, regardless of where you're at, if God's called you to be a parent, if you are a parent, then, um, then he's, a, he's provided what you need. And, um, and so the blessing in that sense would be you resisting the, the natural tendencies that might not lead you to raise uh, godly children uh, in the way that he would want us to do it. And, and so whatever that area is, knowing that God has provided you that you are the blessed that you are already the blessed, that God's already called you a good parent, God's already called you blessed, God's already called you healed in all those areas. Um, but sometimes what I'd like to talk about is kind of maintaining a victory mindset in the midst of believing God for those different things. Um, you know, when God calls us into certain places, sometimes we go through difficult areas in the process of coming to that. And oftentimes we find ourselves in the boat with Jesus and we're taken off from, from the shore and he's in the boat, so we're good. And we're like, man, Jesus is in the boat. It's a good day to be in a boat. Until, you know, you get out and can't see the shore and you can't see the coastline anymore. You're like, still, it's nice. It's good fishing weather. And, um, but then you, the clouds start coming in. And you're like, but Jesus is in the boat. We're good. You know, I mean, Jesus is in the boat. I don't know about you, but who, who's ever flown with Pastor Ziggy? I mean, a bunch of us are. We got a bunch of new people. But um, guaranteed, if you want to go somewhere with Pastor Ziggy, eventually you probably get to go there. Um, and I know that whenever I'm with Pastor Zig, because I'm quite confident uh, in the call of God on his life and his confidence that God's not done with him, you know, I don't really like flying. I don't like flying in small planes. Um, I am happier in big planes. I hate flying in small planes. Uh, whenever we go somewhere with Pastor Zig, I'm like, hey, man, we're going to fly. We're going to fly. Um, it is not fun for me. I don't like not having air conditioning in that thing in the summer. Uh, Joe was there when we flew the first time with Pastor Zig. Um, Pastor Zig called us up. This is, what, this is many years ago. It's like 10 years ago uh, when me and Joe were still active duty and we had the day off for some reason. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? Uh, let's go to Tucker's. So we went to Tucker's. We had never been to Tucker's before. You know, we're still relatively new to Oklahoma City. He's showing us all the good places to eat, which is very important in the life of a believer because we don't go out to the bars. So you better know the good places to eat. Amen. <laughs> and so pastor's showing us Tucker's. He's taking us to get an onion burger. And me and Joe both, uh, if I remember right, decide, man, that mother Tucker looks good. A triple. It's got onions. Get French fries. I don't remember if we got a milkshake. I think we probably went for the pink lemonade because that was their thing, you know, first time there. And we fill up and, and it's really good. The food's fantastic. And then pastor asks us, hey man, we're going to go down to the, the kid church. I, I don't know if you were uh, in that youth at, at the time. It's 10 years ago. It's a long time. But um, were, you, were you there? You went with them? Okay. I know Aaron was there. There's a bunch of people from back in the day. And that was a fun trip. <laughs> Different reasons. Um, and, uh, but in, in the process of going there or, you know, at the restaurant, he's like, hey, man, would you guys like to come with us? We're going out to uh, the kids' church and, or the, the youth camp. We're going to go check on them and see how they're doing. And, you know, uh, me and Joe, we are just starting to get familiar with hanging out with Pastor on a more frequent basis. And we're like, man, that sounds awesome. Riding in a plane, a private, small plane, that's cool. And, um, and so we went with him. And I think there's another dude there. What was his name? Remember? No, no, it was, uh, 
dude, you guys brought up. Well, he's a Hispanic dude uh, with the bus, the buses. It, yeah, yeah. He was there. He went with us too, I think. And um, so we're flying out there. Man, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. And there's no air conditioning, and it's hot. It's, the, it's like July or June, you know. It's, it's youth camp weather. And passage great. Everyone's sweating in that plane. It's horrible. And, um, man, I can just feel it. I was one of those kids that you had to pull over on the side of the road for. And I should have known because it had been a long time, you know, because once you start driving, you just don't feel it anymore. And um, you don't fly that often. And only on big planes, it's only when there's turbulence that there's an issue. Um, but uh, in that small little plane, it was not fun. I did not enjoy it. And, um, but uh, we, we had a refund that day. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was so embarrassing. I was just trying. I, 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 I was just trying to not say anything. But Joe's sitting right next to me, and I'm holding my little, my lunch. <laughs> it's a small plane. It's not a good diffuser. I'm gonna tell you that right now. It doesn't make other people feel good about being in the plane. Um, but, but I had faith and trust, regardless of how I felt, that that pastors call. That the, the call of God on pastor and pastor's confidence in the call of God, we were good. I wasn't going to die, but it didn't feel good. And, um, and so it's kind of like that being in the boat with Jesus, right? You're like, Jesus in the boat, we're good, but the storm's coming, and I don't, I, don't, I don't like the clouds. They don't look good. The boat's starting to rock a little bit more. He's taking a nap, so we must be fine. Um, all right, that's cool. And... Um, you know, you look around and all of a sudden the storm clouds are getting closer. The waves are rocking harder. You're feeling the leaks that begin to spring in the boat. And you're like, the water's coming up, but Jesus is sleeping. So it must be good. Must be good. Must be fine. We're good, Jesus? He's like, shut up, I'm sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, and pretty soon, you know, you're sitting on the crow's nest and the, the boat's underwater. <laughs> and you see Jesus down in the water sleeping. Like, how's he doing that? He's faith sleeping. It's faith breathing. It's a, it's a superpower. Um, <laughs> uh, but sometimes we feel that way. You know, we feel like we're that far under in that situation, like uh, Jack clinging to a, to a raft to Rose, ready to, ready to give up. He's like, it's, uh, it's nice that there's no room on there. But uh, you know why you know, Leo gave up the raft, though, right? It was because Rose was about to turn 23, and he just wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> praise Jesus. But you know, like Hilda said, we are the blessed resisting the circumstances that are trying to tell us something contrary to us. And no matter how far it feels like that boat is beginning to sink underwater. Have you all seen, I'm, everyone's seen, Pirates of the Caribbean. You can get a lot of movie quotes with me. It's not because I'm trying to do movies at church. It's because, sadly, I don't read a lot of books. <laughs> I try. I fall asleep outside of the Bible. Um, but in that movie, in the, in the first one, Jack Sparrow's on the boat, and he's on a bad boat. He, you know, got that reputation of being a bad pirate in the beginning. And the, he's on the crow's nest, and it's just sinking as he's coming closer to the dock. And sometimes, sometimes it feels like that, but, you know, he gets off at the dock. He, he, he makes it just fine. And we've got to remember that Jesus is in the boat regardless of whether the circumstances look like it. And it's important that in those moments that we remember the proper way out, regardless of how our circumstances feel. Man, sometimes they feel horrible, and sometimes they look unsurmountable. But we have to remember the way out in those moments because it's not to focus on the circumstances. You know, when Peter was on the water, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked fine. Everything was good. It was only when he began to put his emphasis on the water, on the waves, on the storm, that things began to shake and he began to sink. You can walk on the water. You can breathe underwater if that boat sinks, if you've got Jesus in the boat. 
And, and there, there's a path, there's a thing that we have to remember when we find ourselves in that place, and that's to remember the Word of God, to remember yes. not only what He has promised us all generally, but also to promise to remember what He has told us individually. Um, when, when the Israelites were coming out, coming out, of, out of Egypt, and God had done all these mighty and powerful and wonderful things through them. I mean, he had terrorized their slavers. Um, he had brought in plague after plague after plague on their behalf to bring them out. Nevertheless, they were, they were slaves in that moment. But, but God had done all these mighty and wonderful things. And then in the midst of it, he literally does a huge wealth transfer at the very, very end where, I mean, the 400 years they, they sat in slavery, I, I'd be curious as to know how much of a percentage of that wealth that they helped to de- the Egyptians to develop got transferred in that last moment when after the, the Egyptians were terrified of their God and who they were in him, that, that uh, he gave Moses the direction, you need to go to, the, the Israel, you need to, go to your taskmasters and you need to tell them that you need to borrow some things for your time in, in, the, in the desert to worship me. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I couldn't imagine someone being a slave owner and then giving them, oh, you're just going to borrow this? You're going to bring it back? All this gold and jewels you need? That's just crazy talk. Um, The only reason that that happened was because the grace of God had anointed them to take back everything that the enemy had stolen from them. And they became super wealthy. If you look further on, you see that uh, Moses, when he... um, when he requests that everyone to make a donation for the building of the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, they brought so many jewels and gold and silver. You're like, these people were slaves. They weren't getting paychecks. It was all from that moment of transfer when, when, when that wealth transfer took place. And they, they immediately went from slave to probably the, the 1% in the world. They, day, day one. Now, they still weren't out of Egypt in that moment, but they became from slaves to super uber wealthy. I mean, they, they, uh, what they accomplished in the building of the, of, the, of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant was amazing. He had, that Moses had all he needed to do to build everything that the Lord requested for them to build, and then some. And then he takes them through, through, through Egypt. He uh, brings them to the Red Sea. The enemy is at their tail. It seems like they're going to die no different than being in a boat covered in water, got a promise from God, doesn't seem like you're going to make it to see it. But nevertheless, as the army's coming in, God provides Moses instruction and the sea parts. And they walk through on dry land. That's amazing. I mean, you would think that nothing could shake someone who's walked through on dry land. And we always see in the cartoons, you know, a little VeggieTales thing, you see the fish swimming. I imagine that probably was true. You just, like, this has got to be insane. And you would think that people would begin to take in that moment and realize who they were and what God has called them to be. And some of them did, but some of them couldn't shake some of the stuff that they already had in their mind. And it's amazing that no matter what God brings us through, if you don't choose to meditate and take in that moment, pastor shared a word a long time ago, um, that I really liked. It's a Hebrew word called Yoshev. And it, um, it means to fully take in the moment of what you're in. And I've thought back on that word in different times in my life and, and, and uh, encouraged Hilda in that word to you know, take in this moment, take in everything we have to learn here and to grow here so that we can take it forward um, and grow, growing out of that. And, and so the Israelites went through there. They walked through on dry land. They saw all their enemies. I mean, Egypt was probably, I'm assuming, but the most powerful nation on the face of the planet at that point. And God totally wiped out their army. I mean, they went, that's probably why we didn't hear too much about them after that, you know, <laughs> in the textbooks. There they existed, but they used to be the superpower in the world. And they went from being the superpower, but when you oppress the people of God, it's, it's not going to work out for you long term. And God will wipe you out. And so when, uh, when they walked through on dry land and they saw their enemies completely get wiped out, and then they went forward, and then they were, they were starving, they were going to die of thirst, and God brings water from a rock to, feed, to provide them water, and he rains food from heaven. But then he brings them to the promised land. They had a promise. They were going in a direction. Man, they saw God leading them by a pillar of smoke in the day and fire by night. 
And this God that's done all of that has now brought you to the promised land. And you would think that no one would even have the guts to say what is, I don't know if it's possible. You think that they would have got just slapped by everyone. It'd be one of those things where sometimes I can be contrarian in my thoughts in different situations and be an opposite opinion in different areas. Uh, you know, it's just kind of my nature at different times. But I feel that tension. I'm like, oh, it's not going to go over well. It's not going to be popular. Hilda's not going to like it. But I do think, I think it's true. So, you know, let's either deal with it. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> and I know, I know the minute I let it out, I can see the look on Hilda's face. As she lets me know the feedback loop is working properly. <laughs> um, so you would, you would think that that would happen. You know, you would have thought that they would have taken in that moment. That they would be like, man, we are more than a conqueror. There's nothing we can't do. Greater is he that is in us than, he, than, than, than them that are against us. Man, we can go in and take out these giants. I mean, the Lord just wiped out the greatest army that's ever walked the face of the earth. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. But no. They couldn't. There was, what was it, only two. <laughs> two that walked, came back and allowed the experiences that God had brought them through to change who they were, to change their mindsets. They were born slaves, but they weren't born to be slaves. And they recognized that God was doing something in them, but not everyone did. And as a result, God, coach, coach God, take a lap. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Let's take a lap. <laughs> and, um, and they had to constantly circle the desert for 40 years. And um, the, word says, the word says that we perish because of a lack of knowledge. Um, it says that we're destroyed for a, a lack of knowledge. And so, you know, the Israelites, I'll be honest, it's very difficult for me to give them any sympathy despite what they've been through, except for the fact that there's a million people, and people are people which means that we'd have probably done the same thing. And we'd be lucky if there was one person in here based on statistics. I mean, a million, we got two. Yeah. Two out of a million. That's pretty bad odds. That is outside of Six Sigma. Uh, <laughs> um, very rare. You know, uh, I, I, heard, um, I heard a therapist who uh, studied um, the... Uh, the uh, World War II and different totalitarian regimes and studied the mindsets of the, the people who were the um, prison guards at Auschwitz and different um, death camps in, in Germany. And they all kind of started out as normal people. They really didn't have a huge amount of crazy animosity towards the Jewish people to start with other than you know, just normal discrimination. But they weren't on the eradication train, you know? In fact, they had to provide them a huge amount of liquor at the end of the killings in the beginning in order just to get them to be able to sleep at night. So, I mean, the whole culture in Germany at that time had trained them to hate Jews, yet killing them in this uh, execution-style format was more than their consciences could handle. So they had to liquor them up every single night. But eventually, eventually they turned. Eventually, they became to enjoy it. So they went from a normal person like you and me that was just conditioned by a culture to think these such and such a person or a group of people are making it more difficult on everyone else to executing them and hating themselves to loving it. So it's ridiculous of us to think as much as we... We're, it, only because we're able to learn from the past and, and those factors are we able to say... That wouldn't happen to me, but it wouldn't happen because I'm not ignorant, because I'm aware of the enemy's devices, because I'm recognizing that if, if I were in that situation, that they're asking me to do this and I have to draw a line because it's possible for me to get there. Um, because, you know, there wasn't a lot of people hiding Jews under their, under their, um, under their houses in their basements during World War II. There's a very small amount of people, but everyone says, that would be me. I would be that person. I would be a Joshua. <laughs> I would be the one who said, God can do it. Would you? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone wants to say, I want to say, man, that'd be me. Right. I'd be the one. Right. 
But you know what? I think that Joshua um, was, was anointed to be that person. He was gifted because of who God was going to create him to be and for our benefit now. <clears throat> but God had to take them through the desert as a result of that to, to break off that mindset off of that old generation. But I'm confident that if he was able to break off the mindset, he would have been able to bring them into the promised land. They wouldn't have had to die in, in, out in the desert. But they couldn't learn the lesson. They couldn't learn it because they didn't, they didn't have the knowledge of the word of God or they didn't allow the knowledge that they were given to permeate them and to change them. But we have that. And ultimately, that's what we're responsible to do is to see the word of God in the storm. We have the promise of God. We're in the boat because God called us in the boat. Not because we enjoy sinking boats. You're like, oh, why'd you choose a boat with holes in it? That's just crazy talk. We're in the boat with God. We're following him where he leads. And we've got to trust that he has us in his hands and that we're going to make it through. But, you know, there, there are strategies to keeping a proper mindset. There's been times where I've, I've had the promise and I've given myself over to discouragement and not keeping my, my, my feet on, on him. You know, recently I've had an experience where, uh, where it was the opposite. And I was extremely grateful for that, where uh, in my mind things would spin up about concerns that I would have about the future, about what we're doing, about how we're going, about our finances in different areas. And um, in the past, looking back, I would, I would judge my future based on, those, based on um, what I could predict based on what I've done, you know, what I've been able to do in the natural on my own. And, and, and the enemy would just spin that up and, and it would be daunting. And, you know, sometimes it ruined my whole day because you just couldn't shake that negative feeling that was built on those words. And uh, sometimes we believe that those feelings are real. And that uh, and, and they feel real. I'm confident that they have something to do with neurochemicals in our brains that, uh, that fire off when we go into those negative places. The enemy uh, tempts us to go down. But sometimes um, we give them way too much power and we feel like it's real, that, that, that this is the real thing. And, and, and the truth is, uh, and pastors talked about this before, is that everything that exists in this world, including our feelings and our chemicals and our atoms, all came out of the spirit. So that means there's nothing more real than the spirit. The spirit is the most real thing, even though we can touch this and we don't feel like we can touch or feel the spirit at any given point. You know, there's that ther the, the professor that always says, can you touch God? Can you see God? Can you smell God? Well, then God must not be real. But we know that all of these things are bound by the laws uh, that pertain to them because that's how God set them in place. And uh, he designed for us not to be able to see the spirit unless he wills it to be so. Um, so, so um, praise the Lord, that's what. <laughs> oh, Lord, he's so good, he's so good. <laughs> oh, praise Jesus, he's so good. Oh, yes, he is. So we've got, to keep our, we've got to keep our mind and our eyes set on what he's told us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You just, just forget that uh, little distraction. <laughs> It'll happen from time to time. Sketch and sketch it. Um, but but, the, but I, was, I was in the kitchen. I was cleaning dishes. And I could feel those feelings rise up, you know, that, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm not even going to give them glory by talking about what they are because I don't want, and I don't want you to think, well, those are yours. I, you know what goes on in your own mind. And it's the same thing. It's the same path no matter what. And those things began to rise up and to tell me that things weren't going to be, that weren't going to be good. And, um, but you know, in the, what I responded to is something the pastor said, well, if that's what the devil's saying, it must be the opposite. And, you know, previously I hear him say that and be like, that's easier said than done. I, I feel this thing. You don't feel it. I feel it. It's, the pastor says your, your reality is your perception. Your perception is your reality. And, I mean, that's true. But, you know, we can choose to adopt God's perception. You know, he says that his ways are not our ways. That his ways are higher than our ways. And so there has to be a recognition that everything that I have done up to this point that hasn't led me to the place of God or the will of God isn't something I can trust. It's not a map I should use. Uh, you, you know, you can keep doing it, but it's not going to take you where you want to go. And you know it because you can look at the past. And in some sense, that's right. It's a truth in the sense that you can look at the past and judge your future, but only if you're using the same map. If you choose to put the map down and take up the iPad of faith, no. <laughs> I have a physical paper Bible. It is right there. My notes are on here. 
Uh, if you choose to take up the map of God's word and apply it to yourself. Now, here's the thing. Just hearing me say it, just hearing pastor say it, just hearing Tyler preach on the word, just hearing a brother like Michael encourage you that, um, hey, I've been through this and this is how you do it. They can do nothing for you unless you take that. Because, you know, when we're in here, sometimes we get hooked up with the Holy Spirit in the vein. Right now he's preaching through a vein in me. He's using me. This is not how I talk in, in just normal conversation. This is the Holy Spirit working with me. And um, right now he's speaking. And if you hook up with that, you could feel inspired. But that inspiration is not enough because you're going to walk out of here and, you're, and eventually you're going to come off of that. Uh, I don't want to call it emotionalism, because, uh, but I believe that the Lord is using our emotions to lead us to a positive place. I mean, he gave them to us and it wasn't just so we could cry and laugh. It was so we could perceive, so we could be inspired, so we could grab uh, the promise of God and run with it. And um, if we'll do that, if we'll come into the house of God and hook up, then, then we'll be inspired. But when we go outside the door... We, we, you know, we could just leave it at the door, might as well. Or by the time we come home, man, that was a good message, that was a good message. Maybe we think on it Monday, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday rolls around and it's in the back of the head. It's starting to become that seed, that seed that's cast on the, on, the, on the side of the road, you know, or the weeds come up. You just forget about it versus saying, that's a seed I need. I'm going to write that down and I'm going to study it out. You know, uh, being, being a minister in here and being, being blessed to have Pastor Zig help us out and really kind of push me into the opportunities of these, the, the, these opportunities, um, I get to be forced <laughs> to study this stuff out. Um, and I say force. Force isn't really a positive word, but when you're a procrastinator, you know, it is what it is. You know? Bless God. I'm not a procrastinator, Hilda. Amen. That's not... That's not my word. <laughs> Looking back. The more, the more I, 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 I take advantage of these opportunities <laughs> and I get to <laughs> dig into the word of God in a deeper way because I've got to bring you something that you can do something with and I've got a responsibility to the Lord, to uh, cultivate the gift that he's put in me. And I have a responsibility to Pastor Zig to take care of the people that he's entrusted me to take care of in his absence. Um, so I get to dig into that word. And as a result, it becomes more of a part of me than, than, than you're getting right now. Because I'm digging in and I'm praying. And in the moment, there's a process. I have, uh, uh, do you have something you need to say? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I received that. Praise Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Glory to God. And um, <laughs> sorry about that, brother. I didn't mean to draw attention. Um, I was like, you got a word? <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> but, but I get to dig into these things. Thank you, Jesus. You know, he helped. My, my, my brain in the natural is really super scattered, man. I'm in the kitchen. And I'm getting some stuff ready. I'm like, oh, I need something in the back room. I go to the back room. And what was that? And then I got to go trace my steps. I got to go back to the kitchen, get my brain to remember, oh, Jack's pacifier. (laughs) Crap, what was that? Man, it's horrible. But I, I think I thank God. Uh, I thank God for I'm getting better and better at that every day. So, but when I'm when I am preaching, despite the fact that it does happen, it happens very rarely for how I would perceive that it would happen. You know, sometimes that would bother me. I'd be like, man, I get up there, it's gonna suck if I start forgetting where I'm at, where I'm going, and whatnot. And that's gonna that's gonna be horrible. But I thank the Lord that you know I'm able to witness His goodness and His anointing on top of me to be able to find my place again much more quicker than I would, just in the natural. And it, to me, it's an encouragement because I like, I like it when I see people and I know that they're not preaching and they're not talking based on a charismatic gift that they just have inside of them. Right. That, um, you know, just in the natural, I, I stutter way more towards, you know, getting words out, especially if I'm in a creative way, trying to think something through. But when I get up here and the, and the anointing empowers me, man, it's so awesome. It's so awesome to, and, and, I, and I say that not to brag on how cool it is to ride the gift, um, but to encourage you to hear what God's saying, because you know, it's not me, right. it's him. Right. It really, it, it really is. And it's so cool to witness. Um, and I, and I thank him for it. And, uh, so 
praise the Lord, here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> I just have fun with it. Um, praise the Lord. So I'm, I'm at the kitchen, and I feel, I feel those negative, negative uh, feelings. In the past, I would just kind of let them run and be like, yeah. You know, because sometimes it, it feels oddly good to entertain them versus not like good, like uh, it feels, makes you feel good, but resisting them is harder, you know? And, and you can kind of get on a pity pot and be like, yeah, life's hard and it's not fair and other people don't have it as bad as I do and I wish I, I was more like this or more like that and blah, 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 blah. You know, it starts turning turn like a techno beat in your head. And uh, <laughs> that part is my personality. <laughs> the Lord's like, let's bring it back, let's bring it back. Calm down. Um, but this time I didn't do that, you know? I didn't, I didn't just re, uh, reflect on the encouragement of my pastor, and, which is frankly disrespectful because he's my man of God and he's given me a word. He's given me tools in order to combat the enemy in these areas and I'm uh, choosing not to use them or choosing to be like, well, that's, that's annoying, that's, that's frustrating, that works for you, you know? Um, uh, pastors says this a lot. Uh, I know you come to church here, but am I your pastor? Am I a pastor or am I your pastor? And I think ultimately when we follow where he's leading us to go, we be he becomes our pastor. Um, and in that moment, I did that. I said, well, despite my feelings, must not be true. And you know what? That thing shook off right away. And the Lord was able to come in and be like, um, and I'll, I'll give you a background. So, Hilda and I are still in the midst of overcoming in, we're in the boat right now. We, we really never stop being in the boat if you're doing it right, because you go from one victory to the next and God doesn't let it get easier. It's like, okay, we built this muscle so we could lift heavier weight, right. not so you could just lift the same weight That's over right. again. And so it's going to constantly feel like you're in the boat. The only difference is as you've been in the boat more and more and more often and you've seen the water rise, your, your confidence in the testimony, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the, the, the word of our testimony. You say, you're like, devil, you know, I've seen the water up here before. I've been here before. God brought me out. And he'll bring me out again. Uh, pastors talked about that before too, um, that the, the enemy would come by and tempt him and say that... Um, you know, it's not going to be this good forever. Right. You know, yeah, it looks good right now on, on paper. Uh, you look like you got plenty of money for the ministry, but you know, it could be all gone tomorrow. Sure. You know, what if, what if the next service you go to, people don't give, give as much as they did in the past? You know, tempting, tempting, uh, tempting him to get over there in the flesh and to look at what he can do in the natural and not realize, I didn't bring myself here. I didn't, I didn't work on people to be a blessing to me. The Lord did that. I can't do that. How many of us have seen charlatans on TV? I mean, I'm going to give you a dime. <laughs> or, or, or some guy at a, at a service, you know, if the Lord tells you to do it, you, you do have to be obedient to the Lord. But outside of that, you're like, that effort is not going to, I recognize it and I'm not going to do it. Um, that, 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 don't, that don't work on most people, right. you know? Uh, most people that are trying to manipulate people for, for financial gain, they're really not that successful. They, they might have a small stint of taking advantage. It's like when people say that people in business, business leaders are uh, manipulative and corrupt and they just want to take advantage of you. There are some, anecdotally, that will do that, that you'll run across. But over time, Michael's a businessman, Eric's a businessman. If I were to interact with them in business and they took advantage of me once, I might say, well, maybe we have a misunderstanding. Maybe there's something we can work on together. Maybe I, we can come to a reasoning about those things. Um, but if it happens twice, I'm never going to do business with him ever again. I'd be like, no, it's not an accident. It's not a misunderstanding. He's, he's shady. And we're not going to be able to do business. Michael's told me this before. Uh, his business is extremely relational. If there's someone that's not going to pay him on a roof, he's never going to put another roof in until that bill gets paid at the very minimum. And he may, he may be like, you're blacklisted. You're done. We're not, we're not going to, and you know what? I'm going to let everyone know that I care about if they, if they bring up your name that you be careful because that dude owes me a hundred grand on a roof and um, you should, you should watch it, get your paper signed. I, I wouldn't do any business, but if you're going to, you know, watch your P's and Q's, make sure you make sure you've got a backup strategy. Uh, it, it, you're not going to be very successful if you take advantage of people. Um, so the idea that that, that that's something that happens either in the ministry on a prevalent basis or even in business is, is really ridiculous. It's just, 
jealous people getting their panties in a bunch in all reality. Um, but the enemies came, would come by and, and try to tempt pastor with that and be like, you know, it could be gone tomorrow. But, but his response, and that's become my response, is that I've been here before. I, I don't have to know the way out. I know the way through him. Right. He has a new way out every time. But the process is really the same. There is a formula to it. It's just that the formula is finding out what he's going to say. Right. You know, the formula is getting before him in worship. Because worship, you know, I like the song. Uh, um, the, uh, how's that song go? Um, this is how I fight my battles. Now, pastor's right. We don't fight battles with worship, you know. But... We do allow God to fight our battles by putting our eyes on him and not looking at the circumstances. It's kind of the equivalent of, I know it's sinking, but I'm going to worship you and praise you regardless. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And that's an act of, of praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Harris. <laughs> Y'all know how. <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, that, that's, a, that's an act of... of um, keeping your eyes on him and saying, you know, I don't fight my battles. I don't fight my battles in worship, but I do keep my eyes on you. I rest in you and I'm not going to respond to everything going on around me. I'm going to look to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I know that you're going to bring me through And that, in that process, it's like dealing with the enemy is like dealing with a child in some way, minus the cuteness, right? Um, <laughs> Man, that kid, kid, kid will argue with you and argue with you and argue with you. Yours isn't there, but he's coming. But he is a super smart kid. So, so he, and I don't mean that as a negative. I don't mean that as a negative. But, you know, all, kid, all kids kind of have to go that, through that to some extent, some minor extent, because they got to learn your boundaries. And ultimately, how much they get away with that, and mm, Amelia's a princess, unfortunately, but we're trying to work that out. But... <laughs> But yeah, we went, to a, we went to a parenting class yesterday that was extremely helpful in understanding um, that, that helped us out a lot. But they talked about, you know, sometimes you just ignore the kid. Yep. And that's because it goes against my nature. I'm more empathetic. I really resented that stuff from my dad or my parents. Uh, I want a reason. It's like my nature, too. It's still there. If you're going to get me to do something, you're going to have to tell me why. Um, Unless you're paying me. <laughs> it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again, you know? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. BC days, BC days, BC days. Um, <laughs> praise Jesus. Um, praise the Lord. That's what I get. <laughs> but you know what? You, gotta just, you just got to ignore, ignore the enemy. And sometimes worshiping him and putting your eyes on him despite how you feel. In fact, that's, that's how we agree with his, with his word in, in the revival. Pastor talked about, and it was a constant reoccurring theme. I'm agreeing with him and with his plan. That's right. You know what? When we perceive uh, negative places, negative circumstances, negative feelings, and we put all our focus on them, we, we worship them. We worship the circumstance. We worship the feeling. We worship the moment. But when we say, despite this, despite this situation, I'm going to put my eyes on him, we give him the opportunity to act on our behalf and in our life and, and, to, and to maintain uh, the trajectory of that ship. And so, praise the Lord. That's something that we get to do. Um, worship is a, a, a major way that we enter into and we get our eyes off of ourselves. And also, we've... We've got to know the word. You know, we've got to know the word. We've got to spend time in the Bible. You are not going to get around it. Pastor has talked about it time and time again uh, in, in regard to ministers or ministry. You can't skip rungs in the ladder, and that's true in everything. How many of y'all see those great posts on Facebook about the AT&T uh, kerfuffle? <laughs> And you see that guy, and he's got that bewildered look, and he's holding all these cables, and it says, uh, when you lied on your resume, and now you blew up the AT&T network. <laughs> now, that dude's now fired. Um, you, you can't skip rungs in a ladder. Reading the Word oh, is a rung in a ladder. If you're going to hold on to the Word of God when you're in the boat and the circumstances are surrounding, you can't hold on to the good vibes of just being a Christian. You're I mean, like, I go to church and, you know, I sing and praise and, and that makes me feel good. And God, you're with me. I mean, is he? I don't know. Do you? Because he's, I mean, he can, only, he can only operate to the extent that we allow him. 
which means we've got to dig in. We've got to put his word before us. He's given us the instruction. He's told us how to do it. Put my, put my word before you. Remind me of your promises. Really, he's saying, remind yourself. Remind yourself of, of my promises. I've got you in this. But if you don't know it, if you can't rest on that, the Bible says that, that his word is an anchor for our soul. That means that when the winds are there, if we don't have that anchor, we are going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get cast around like every wind, like the Bible says, every wind of doctrine. Uh, but, but every circumstance that comes around is going to knock us off. The world's falling apart. The world's falling apart versus, no, I got a word. I've got a word from God is where it starts. And then it turns into a rhema word because when you're studying the word of God, then he can speak to you in those moments or in worship, in the presence of God, from the time that you've spent with him in relationship and in the Bible, he can speak to you in those moments out of, out of that word. Right. But it's okay. got to be there. It's got to be there. And it's got to be there because if you don't, you just turn into a flaky Christian that is a hit and miss person. Right. Sometimes you're good. Sometimes you get a win. You know, you heard a word, but you couldn't measure it against the Bible. You couldn't, you couldn't hold it up and say, this is in line with the word. So we're going to move on that. And this isn't in line on the word. So until God provides light, I'm not doing that. And, and the Lord put that constraint in on purpose because he said that there's many voices we hear. Right. We've got to learn to distinguish between the voices of God. And I'm so excited because in this season, I know that he's probably doing the same thing with you, but he's really helping me to hone that voice. In the past, I really haven't felt like I could really hone it in. I had to rely entirely on what I knew in the word of God, and that was where I was at. But the Lord has really opened up my heart and my ear and made it possible for me to hear and given me direction just in the past, since December, things to do and, and, and encouragement. I told you that uh, me and Hilda are still in the boat. And like I said, we're always in the boat, but right now we're in a, in a transition phase. I've been fi finishing up my degree since 2017, and, which is a long time, but I've been deployed in that period of time. And you know, the military, as Brandon can attest, does not care that um, you're in school, and it would be nice if this deployment seamed up with your semesters perfectly. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, and fair, it's, you know, it'd be ridiculous. <laughs> call me up and be like, David, how's your schedule looking? <laughs> You've got a deployment coming up, and uh, we'll just make sure it didn't interfere with you. It'd be uh, a little ridiculous. Um, and, and in those trainings, you know, most of them have right on the front end of a, of a semester, but finishing into the new semester. So it cuts out a whole year of training. And, and then you come in on the back end of the semester of using the GI Bill like I was, you get some compensation from that. So that's a part of how, how we were getting along was with that GI Bill money. And um, so it took, you know, taken to seven years. I'm on my last semester. I got one class left. I'm so thankful. Um, but thank you, praise God, you know, and all to the glory of God. It's something I didn't think I could achieve uh, at, at one point in my life. And uh, we got along with those finances in, until it cut out in July when I ran out of GI Bill money. And, uh, you know, we just had to pay for the tuition with student loans that we'll pay back. And, uh, and then Jack, a few months later, I point to him, same side, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, look, a small child, Jack. Um, and then Jack started going to preschool. Um, we had to get him into Primrose and, um, so that I could finish, finish those classes, in-person classes during the day. And our only purpose to keep him out of school for a year was to give him the same opportunity that Amelia had and uh, you know, being premature, building up that immune system at home. Um, and I, luckily, I was able to do it that second semester uh, after Hilda went back to work. Uh, they were all online classes or night classes. So it worked for me to take care of Jack full time and then go to school at night or online. Um, but that cut off, all that money cut off in July. And so we had to adjust. And, um, and then Jack went to Primrose. And I think he probably spends at Primrose as much as I was getting in the GI Bill. It's crazy. And um, so, you know, our, our budget began, got a little inverted for a period of time. And uh, we used bridge loans, <laughs> credit cards, um, which I wouldn't recommend. But you know what? The Lord gave me peace about it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it, you know, because I knew where we were going. We had, we had a plan. And then, you know, things, by the end of that semester, this thing started building up. You know, it's not, it's not just one month of usage, it's now several months of usage. And then my dad passed away, and what am I, not going to go home and see him on a for a funeral? Be there for my parents? My, and my attitude is, you know, first off, um, you know, I've got my eyes on God. I know that he's got the whole thing done. 
I'm not going to miss my dad's funeral because i got to put it on a credit card. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I don't care. If it takes me five years to pay it off, which it won't, but if it did, that's my resolve. I'm just not going to miss that, period. Um, so as soon as we got back from uh, Disney World, which we planned before all this drop in money and in- increase, <laughs> but you know what? We had a great time. I, didn't put, I, didn't, I wasn't there crying the whole time. Michael didn't see me tearing it up or saying, uh, I, think, I think we tried to budget ourselves to a certain degree, and uh, we didn't go out to every single fancy meal, but we, didn't, we went out to most of them. We didn't, we're like, oh, sit on the side, we're going to share a corn dog. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, you could have. If that's how the Lord directed me, I'd have done it. Right. Um, I'd have followed him there. But, uh, but I had peace about it. I had peace where we're going. I didn't necessarily have a word at that moment, but I had peace in my spirit, in my heart. And um, then we got to December, man, the buildings just started getting higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but I really felt the Holy Spirit when I, when I looked at those things, I started thinking about them, say, you know, believe me to pay for them. Believe me to pay them off. Not, not man, shouldn't have done this. Should have just dropped your degree off and, and cut that off and then gone back to work and, um, you know, make less money as a result of not having the degree and whatnot. Um, no, that he's just like, man, just, just, I'll, I'll take care of it. Don't even try to think about how you're going to take care of it yourself with the money you'll earn once you're no longer in school. Think about it as, I'm going to take care of that. I gave you peace about it, and I'm going to take care of it. And once again, I would not recommend that strategy. Uh, really, you just got to follow your own spirit. Because, I, I mean, I, I certainly can't do it for you, but I'm kind of more in that Dave Ramsey camp. That's stupid. In, in my natural, man, that's dumb. You know, I wouldn't recommend it. Hilda wouldn't recommend it. Y'all, most of y'all know that we've come out of debt in the past. Um, and we're going to come out of it in the future. We've been in this boat before. And the Lord's brought us out. And he'll bring us out again. And we're going, to, we're going to keep our eyes on him. But that's a rhema word that we hold on to. If we didn't have that word, if we're just holding on to hopes, that wouldn't last. If it was just good feelings, like let's just not look at it because it don't feel good. Let's just not think about it because it makes me sad. Uh, we would be falling apart. But we're not doing that. Because the Lord's ordered our steps. Because he's got a plan. Because, because I see myself as Jack Sparrow. And I know the dock's right there. I don't care how deep we get in this water. The Lord is going to take us off of that boat. And we're going to be just fine. And you know what? We're going to get into another boat. And we're going to go another place that he's brought us. And you know what? When you're in that place, you can't just think of survival. You can't just think of, God, we got to gotta get these, gotta get on top of these bills. We gotta at least get solvent in our monthly budget. And uh, Lord, just please deliver us from this place. God, please, God, please, God. It's not a victory mindset. That's not going to take you out of there. God's not going to respond to your wimpiness. I mean, me and Hilda, we're not doing that. I I was asking Hilda the other day, I'm like, Hilda, what's something that I can be a blessing to you with? When, 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 uh, when I were able to do, I want to be, I want to put my faith on something for you. I'm not thinking that, which, you know what? If someone in the natural had their eyes on their circumstances, they'd be like, shut up, David, just shut up. Let's, let's get, let's get X, Y, and Z taken care of. And then we'll look at that. And, and maybe that's what some people need to do. But in my spirit, I'm looking beyond that because that's nothing. That's going to be taken care of. It's not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. Um, God, God, God's got it. It's done. And, um, and so I, I, I'm thinking like, who's another person who's built, who, who's built up some credit card debt that the Lord wants to speak to me about? Cause I want to be a blessing. Right. You know, I want to be a blessing with what he's given us. Um, and, and when those moments, and it's about to be that way, it's about to be like a door opening up and everything changing for us. Um, I feel it, um, in my spirit and I know it in my knower. Amen. It's just, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. I receive, I receive, appreciate it. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. Ain't he good? <laughs> He's awesome. But we've got, you've got to reach beyond. If you're, going to, if you're going to hold on to the promise of God, it can't be just survival. Because that's not God's word. He's excess. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And, and, and if, you're, if your mind is just on, man, we're just, we just got to make it. That's, a, that's really a mindset of like, we're probably going to die. Right. And I just don't want to think about it. No, our mind is, Lord, I want to buy someone a car. I want to praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Sister Karen. I receive that. I want to be a blessing to someone. I want to see, uh, I want to see Tyler and Ayla. I'm always sending them houses. Now, I can't do this right now, but I'm telling you right now, they're still renting 
when we're in a place, I'm going to be like, man, I'll put $1,000 on that down payment. I want to get in on that. Sure, he's not here, but we've already got in our heart to do $1,000 to, to help her out with that. And that's preemptively or post, it, that's, that's what's in our heart to do. Um, we don't see our resources as just a means to ingratiate our, ingratiate our lifestyle. Um, but as an opportunity to sow seed into the kingdom and to be a blessing to those around us. Um, Thank you so much. Amen. I receive it in Jesus' name. Um, And I think that that's important for us to do. So what time is it? Praise the Lord. Um, So as we we go today, I want want you to be encouraged. (laughs) Praise the Lord, Jesus. I receive it. Amen. Thank you, God. Lord bless you. Um, It's got to start with your word. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, the longer I speak, the more in trouble I'll get. So I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> Pastor's like, all right, let's talk. There's a horror film quote. Let's start off with that. That's a problem. I'm going to need you to go on a fast. <laughs> I'm like, I know this shirt was a little tight. <laughs> Praise Jesus. But... The principles, the, the, to maintaining a victory mindset is first, it starts with the word. Right. Praise Jesus. Thank you so much. I receive it, Lord. <laughs> and Lord, I receive it. Lord, you're being a blessing to me. Praise yes. you, Jesus. And I pray that you be a blessing to everyone who sows a seed. Um, I just want to respond to what God's doing and recognize it and uh, be appreciative to, to what he's doing. Um, so thank you, Jesus. But it starts with the word. You're not going to be able to hold on to the anchor of your soul if you don't have the word built up in you. And you don't have to worry about what you haven't done. Uh, God can make up the difference. I don't know how he does it, because I've thought about that. Going back to procrastination, there's a time when I've dug in and a time when I've dug less. (laughs) And um, I think about that. But you know what? I feel the Lord bringing me into this place. And uh, sometimes there's that temptation to be like, man, I'm not worthy of, of you doing that. I haven't done everything that other people may have done. But he's like, I can. And I've heard pastor give this word too. I can make up the difference. And you're like, yeah, but what if you didn't have to? And I had done, you know, all the things that I should have done in that period of time. And it's like, couldn't you do more? And he's like, well, don't worry about that. I'll make up the difference. Um, it's like, a, it's kind of like the parable where uh, there's the, the, two, the several servants and they come at different times of the day, but they all get compensated the same. And uh, I know that God's given me that grace and I, I really appreciate it. Um, and I thank him for it. And, I, and I, he's just awesome. He's a good God. Uh, we don't deserve everything he does for us, but he's so good. Um, but it starts with the word. If you're, if you're going to conquer, if you're going to overcome the waves, it starts with the word. And what I've been doing recently is... Um, is I have a prayer note on my, on my app. And every time pastor shares a word and he shares a scripture that, uh, that correlates to something that I need internally, and I'm sure Hilda's talked about this before, but it's something that the Lord's prompted me to do recently. And I write that scripture down. And then afterwards, either in that moment, if I feel like I, I need to do it then or later, I look at that scripture and I rephrase it into a prayer over my life. Um, wh- whatever that scripture may be. And, and then when I'm praying, I'm not praying just the whims of whatever comes into my mind. Do I have a good idea of what to pray for in this moment? Like, no, I've, I've got the word. I, I declare his word over my life. That's what's powerful. Uh, Hilda always says this, and I love it. Um, when someone says, hey, can you pray with me about this? And I think you got it from Gloria. I'm not sure. Um, but what, what word are you standing on? If you don't have a word you're standing on, it sounds like you're standing on good vibes. So... I don't think that's probably going to do anything, and neither am I. <laughs> um, and that's fair. You know, we stand on the Word of God. We don't stand on our thoughts about right. good things that right. God could do. And, you know, He doesn't move based on, uh, well, I think this is in line with your Word. Um, kind of, you know? But you're like, according to Matthew 6.33, right. and, and then quoting that scripture and declaring it over your life. This has to happen. This is a principle of God. It gives you the confidence to hold on to that anchor and and to resist the circumstances that you stand against. And in the midst of that word, as that word is permeating into your spirit, it is... uh, it is going to provoke a rhema word at some point. God is going to bring you a word when you need it in that moment because you've been doing the things that you need to do for him to provoke it. He can't speak from a word that you don't have. And so um, 
I haven't really dug this out. I really like this analogy. I felt like the Lord gave me. Um, the, the seeds that we, we have from the word of God or from the ministry of the word of God um, are obviously like seeds. We know that. But if you look at a seed in the natural, uh, I imagine that every seed has like a moment where it receives enough water for it to burst through a little green bud. And, and there's, there's a moment where, okay, I've got this word. Now I need to cover it in the spirit. I need to cover it in worship. I need to cover it in speaking in tongues. I need to cover it in time with God. And there's a point in which that seed has to burst through with a, with a sprout. It has to bring Aye. forth a blade. And even if you don't see it, it takes a long time for a root structure to grow underground before you ever see something pop up. But it's such a good analogy because uh, I've got this seed from God. I've got this word. And why, why won't this word produce anything? Well, you, how much time have you spent covering it in the presence of God, covering it in the spirit? And, and, and specifically, Lord, your word says this, not just time in the spirit, but directed time in the spirit. Um, it's the difference between being general or focused. I mean, if you're general, God will give you, maybe God will give you a general word. Maybe it'll be specific. I don't know. I don't know. It's what he wants to do. But if you're like, Lord, your word says that X, Y, and Z should be manifested in my life. I'm covering that with, with prayer right now. I'm believing your word that it's true. Um, there's a point at which that seed has to germinate. It has to. There's no choice. And so um, as, as we go forward and we look at those principles, staying in the word of God, pursuing the Holy Spirit so that you can have a rhema word because nothing is going to get you to hold on to uh, the promises of God, like, I've got a word. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's different. It's one thing to say the Lord says I'm, I'm blessed, and that's good. The word says that he's called me to be the head, not the tail. It's another thing for you to feel it coming out of your spirit. Right. I've called you the head and not the tail. Right. And it's like, man, God. And someone says, you're going to be a failure. I'm like, I don't know about that. I got a deed that says something else. I got something that I can depend on. I got something that I can stand on when the waves come. You can say all you want, but I haven't, I, like the Israelites, uh, casting off those slave mentalities and those religious mentalities that said, you're, you were born a slave, you're going to die a slave. It's like, no, no, God's got a different word. And I can look back at the different things that he's done to bring me to this point in my life, and I can stand firm on those coupled with my word and say, I don't care what the wind says. I don't care what the circumstances say. He has got this. And he doesn't have it because some general feeling. He has it because I have a word from heaven. And that's ultimately the very thing that's going to keep you and going to hold you. But you've got to bring it up. That's the last piece. You know, God can give you, you can read his word. He can give you a word. But then if you just walk away from it and you don't hold it onto it, like a uh, uh, inception, you know, they're little totems that reminded them they were in the real world. It, it's something that reminds you. The Bible in the Old Testament, he told uh, Abraham, I think it multiple times, build me an altar. It wasn't for him. It was so that Moses could remember. This is a place of remembrance where God said something, where he, where he, where he said what he was going to do. And he solidified that inside of me. If you've got to do that around your house, if you've got to put something in your pocket, a keychain on your key that says, I remember when I look at this, that the Lord spoke to me that all is well. He spoke it to me. And I know that regardless of what I feel and what the circumstances are, I can turn and I can say, he's got me in his hands. Oh, yeah. But if you forget it, we all do. You know what? Sometimes when the Lord's speaking a message to me, if I don't get up and type it out on my iPad, it's like a dream. It's just gone like a vapor. And I'm like, man, it was so good. And I have no clue why it was good because I don't remember anything. But if I just immediately, if even if it's at nighttime, and I've learned my lesson by now, because if I, if I do it and I'm like, I'm going to go back to bed, I've learned that it's like a vapor and it's gone. But I get out my iPad and I start typing and I don't stop typing until it's done, until I can't think of anything else to say or nothing else is coming out of my spirit. And then at least I can turn back, I can read it. And I can say, okay, I can catch that vein of the Holy Spirit later on. But if I don't, I don't have a tool to remember what God said, then I'm eventually going to forget it. You know, most of us have been getting words for years and years and years, but how many of us can remember all of them? Probably none of us. And that's just probably realistic. But going forward, this is a word that's important to me. We got a word uh, after the Lord spoke that everything was, that, that he was going to take care of our, our debt. And going forward, and that we should trust him for it. 
after that, Paul Trokel in the revival came up and gave us a word. And it was very simple. He said, everything's going to be all right. Head of the church. That was my favorite part. Me and Hilda say that all the time. It was like this random spurt. It was awesome. <laughs> I told Hilda, I was like, does that mean I'm head of the church? I don't think pastor's ready to give it up yet. <laughs> I told pastor that. Anyway. Um, but he said, it's going to be all right. God's got it. And you know what? It was such a simple word, and it could have seemed so general to an outside observer. But to me, it was, it was um, confirmation of what he had already spoken in me, that everything is going to be just fine, that we are not to look at the storm. We are not to look at the, at the waves, but we are to keep our eyes on him and, oh, because hey. he is the author and the finisher oh, right. of our faith. Right. Praise Jesus. Right. Amen. So I think that that's a fantastic place to leave it off. And I thank God for, for helping me, and I thank you all for being so wonderful. Um, I don't know if there's anything we should pray about. What do you think, Tyler? All right, cool. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for bringing us here together. Lord, I pray that this word would, would antagonize them in their minds throughout the week, Lord, and that they would, they would write down those things, not everything that necessarily I've said, Lord, but those things that you have spoken through me to them. And that you would cause them to be remembered and that you would, you would instruct all of us, including me. Because even though I'm, I'm up here speaking, you're the one speaking. And I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I, I'm just an observer and a participator of your word, and, and I need this. And so, Lord, I pray that this word would permeate our spirits and our minds and would shake off the mentalities that we have adopted in the past that have held us back. And so, Father, I worship you, I praise you, and exalt you. I thank you for your goodness and mercy in providing us this word. And I, I thank you that as we go out, we go out loving one another and having a wonderful time in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.